Hey guys, welcome to Chi Alpha, and we're glad that you're here. We as a staff have been praying for you. We hope that you're doing well, and uh, just wherever you are, if you're back home, you're in your dorm room, thank you for being here right now and tuning in. This takes work. It's not your regular schedule, even though sometimes driving to a building on a Tuesday night seems easier. It's only easier because you're used to it, and this is different. So thank you for being in your home right now and for tuning in and taking this seriously and, and being a part of this with us. We have a service right now. We're going to start with some worship, and then we have a message for you after that. Let's just open in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for what you've done, for protecting everyone here in this group. Father, thank you, Lord, for being with us. I just pray that you uh, help us to seek your face in this time. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. So, how was that worship? It was pretty cool. Um, we felt pretty awkward about it, too. So I don't know um, how many of you actually kind of stood up in your own homes while watching that, if you did, or um, if you ever sang along with it or not. Uh, I guess we're, we're kind of breaking new ground, and uh, yeah, I hope you did whatever feels normal and comfortable. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, and so I'll give you a minute to flip to your Bibles, or you know what, you just hit pause. Just hit pause if you want, because we can do that now. It's the 21st century. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked Jesus, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I want to tell you about the worst job I ever had. The worst job that I ever had was working for this, this small company. It was right out of high school. I was working for this small company that, um, that would make these little novelty leather goods. Like, like if you uh, ever are at like some kind of convention thing and somebody hands you like a... A, a leather like passport wallet with their logo like stamped on it. I worked for a company that did that. So my day consisted of standing in an office in a little box, really. It was about five feet by five feet. It was tiny and it was wall-to-wall -wall boxes of these different leather goods that we would buy from China and then stamp with a customized logo for these big corporations and stuff. My job was to measure organize, sort, and catalog every single one of these customized stamps that we made for these companies. And then also, I had to assemble the orders and, and prep the orders. And so somebody would come by and say, hey, I want like 300 laser engraved pens with my logo. Well, I was the guy that had to test each pen, assemble each pen, and then put it in the presentation box, and then put that presentation box in the in the sleeve and then put it in the bigger box to be shipped. And that was my life. I did that for eight hours a day, like five days a week. It was terrible. And nobody else came into that room because it was a horrible place to be, right? And so my day consisted of me walking into the office, saying hi to my boss, going into my little cube, my cage, and then seeing no other human being outside of the high point of my life was when the UPS guy would show up twice a day to drop off boxes that I had to count and catalog or to pick up a shipment that I had counted and cataloged. I went nuts. Have you ever seen the movie Castaway when Tom Hanks is on the island by himself and he like makes Wilson his volleyball and, and he puts like a face on it, you know? That, 
That's what I went through. That was my life. I was like drawing faces on boxes. I'm an extrovert. I can't do this. I, I, I was going nuts. I think I lasted in that job for maybe five months. It was horrible. And I remember walking into the office to tell my boss that I was going to quit. And I remember going, yeah, I, I think I'm not cut out for this. And he goes, yeah, I'm glad you're quitting because I was about to fire you. <laughs> it was terrible. I hated that job. But um, I'm glad I had it because it prepared me for this. I'm stuck at home, right? I, I, I don't get to interact with people. It's this self-quarantine. I'm having like flashbacks to that terrible job. I'm sure some of you other extroverts feel what I'm going through, right? You're not getting that human interaction that you desperately need, right? But all you introverts are just having the time of your life. You couldn't be happier, could you? So here we find Jesus, right? And he, he's giving these two greatest commandments. And I think these two greatest commandments can help us in this time of self-quarantine and coronavirus when it feels like the world has just been flipped around and turned inside out. I know it's frustrating for me because all the things we've been telling y'all to do are, are being undercut, right? We're telling you to go hang out with people, to pursue relationships. But then all of a sudden we have to make a hard shift and say, don't hang out with people, avoid people, stay at home, right? And, and so there's mixed messaging. Like if Christianity is about relationships and growing the kingdom is about making friends and, and helping them find Jesus and walking them closer to Jesus, then what are we supposed to do right now? And I think that these two commandments will help us understand. The two commandments that Jesus gives us are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love our neighbor as ourself. And let's unpack that to see how it applies for us right now. So the first commandment that Jesus gives us is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so we're going to unpack what that means. So first, Jesus says to love God with all of our heart, right? And so usually we think of a heart as like the feeling emotion. So I'm supposed to like get the feels for God or whatever that means, which is really weird. Um, now that I say that out loud, I might edit that out because that sounds weird. But, you know, it's like about being emotive. But that's not what we know love is. We know because Hopefully, you've been around long enough to hear us say it a million times, that love is an unselfish choice. So love is a choice, and that means that your heart is more of a function of will than emotion. So in this time, we need to choose for God's kingdom. That's what he's saying, is that we need to choose for God, right? And there are tons of options on how we can spend all of our newfound free time. So I would ask you, what are you spending it on? Because here's a reality. We can say things that we love and value till we're blue in the face. But that doesn't mean anything. Talk is incredibly cheap. What we do know is that what we choose reveals what we value. What are your choices revealing about what you value? Are you making time to send a text message or a phone call to the people that you say you love? Or do you love playing Fortnite. Are you playing Fortnite? Are you 12? As we've had our second spring break, what are you doing? What have your choices revealed? And I think we should take some time to pause and reflect on what those choices reveal about what our values actually are. And maybe if you need, stop the video right now and, and pray and ask the Lord to help you change what you value.
And it's a really simple process. All you have to do is choose better. Love him with your choices. The next thing Jesus says is, is to love God with all of our soul. See, your soul is actually the emotions and attitudes. It's, it's like the clothing to your thoughts, right? So how are you taking care of, of your emotions, first of all, in this time? I know for me, it's really hard. It's really hard to stay level-headed and, and not get irritable because I can't get outside. I can't go and, and mingle and go to a coffee shop and, and drink some coffee and hang out with like 15 or 20 of my best friends, right? I know, I know Tuesday night, I'm so hardwired to go to the church at 4.30 and begin to pray and then hang out with everybody and, and, then, and then afterwards go out and eat with like 300 of us when we walk in that door and, and everyone at Rosa's gets really angry. But man, those are some of my favorite times, but we, we don't have those. So how are you handling that emotionally? Because I know change is difficult. It's difficult for me. I can only assume it's difficult for you. Also, the soul represents our, our attitude. So how is your attitude during this time? Are you being flippant about everything that's going on around you? Are we maybe rejoicing that school is out, but not thinking about those that are deeply impacted by this? A lot of times our attitudes are dictated by our circumstances. Some of us are really happy because school is going to be way easier because it's online. Some of us are super frustrated because change is difficult. And our circumstances are starting to dictate to us what our attitudes are. Never mind the emotional impact, I'm having a hard time just having a good attitude. We've actually done something very sinister and very slick and very easy. Sometimes it's really easy for us to put something else on the throne of our hearts instead of allowing Jesus to remain on that seat. Sometimes, and this is a struggle for me, sometimes we, we let circumstances dictate our attitude. When really, Jesus is saying, love the Lord your God with your soul. That's your attitudes and your emotions. Love God, not love circumstances. See the difference? And so what we've done is, all of a sudden, we've allowed circumstances to become our Lord. And, and sometimes we seek for circumstances to become our Savior. And we're, if we're letting circumstances determine our attitude, whether it's good or bad, then our master isn't Jesus, it's circumstances. See, Jesus says that a man cannot serve two masters, and he's right. So, either Jesus is your Lord, and these circumstances aren't affecting you as much, or these circumstances have just wrecked your attitude and wrecked your emotions. I want us to be fully submitted to Lord, because he is either Lord completely, or he's not Lord at all. This time, circumstances aren't great. They're, they're hard. And everything is weird, and everything's different, and everything's scary. One of the things that Jesus says is, if we seek him, we will find him. So are you seeking Jesus in these circumstances? Have you taken the time to stop and see where he's at? Have you taken the time to just step outside, get some sunshine on your face, and ask Jesus where he's working in your life? Because Jesus says, the son looks to see where the father is working and he goes there also. God is moving in your home. God is moving in that dorm room you're stuck in. God is moving even in the apartment that you live in where your roommate never does the dishes. God is moving in those situations if you just look. 
And then all of a sudden, your circumstances aren't so bad because you're standing in the middle of a miracle, which is pretty cool. Next, Jesus says to love God with our mind. Now, I'm going to be super transparent with you. I'm going to be really honest with you. It would be really easy to just switch off right now. I'm at home. Who's, who's going to be watching what I do? I mean, besides my five kids that are always there, always there. See, right now we have little to no accountability, especially if we've gone back home, not like to your house that you rent here, but I mean like your family's home. Some of us aren't even in Angelo anymore. And so it's really easy for us to switch off, especially if we're going back to a home where no one else walks with God. It's going to be doubly difficult, right? We're not going to have our parents holding us to the standard that we've loudly proclaimed over the last semester and a half. So what are you doing? Are you praying? Are you redeeming the time that you have? We have so much time on our hands now, we are out of excuses. See, the cool thing about the Lord is that many of his things kind of stack up on each other and and they reinforce one another. So if you're having trouble with your emotions and having trouble with your attitude and you're failing to look around you for where God is working, then you stop and ask and say, Lord, I'm seeking you, help me find you. Then all of a sudden you're already using your mind to love Jesus. You've chosen to see the Lord in your circumstances, to fix your attitude, to love God with your soul, and so you're using your mind to find out where he is. Isn't that beautiful? That's just so cool to me. If we seek to find Jesus, we're already taking that first step. In equal proportion of, of ways to completely waste our minds and, and let our brains rot right now, there are just as many ways for us to reinforce ourselves, to, to really love God with our minds. In fact, spoiler alert, we as a staff are going to make it easy on you. So just stay tuned and you'll see it across all the social media channels and the ways that we have been connecting with you recently. But all that's great, right? All of that is wonderful. You know, let's, let's love God with our choices. Let's love God through our circumstances. Let's love God with our mind. But it all kind of falls apart at one point, right? And, and that point is discipline. And that's why I love that Jesus throws this word in with all your strength. Because it's going to take strength to do this. It takes strength. It takes determination. It takes effort to continue to grow, especially in times like this. So my old pastor back in Huntsville, Texas, uh, he used to say, any old dead fish can go with the flow, but it takes a living creature to swim against the current. And I think that's so applicable right now it would be very easy for us to just go with the flow. It would be very easy for us to just let the current push us wherever it will. He's called us to love him with our strength. We have years of habits built up of us just coming home, plopping on the couch, opening our phone and staring at it for hours and hours on end. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can choose to use our strength. We can choose to use our effort to change. I want to encourage you to fight against the current. Just fight against the current. Be a living creature, not a dead fish. I'll give you a secret. Set reasonable goals, right? Don't sit there and go, I'm going to read all of G.K. Chesterton's works cover to cover in the next week. No, you're not. I'm sorry. I'm not either. So when I started working out again, it had been, no joke, like 10 years. I, I graduated from high school and then I just didn't do anything, like nothing. 
and I wasn't exactly fit to begin with. Somehow, I had combined the two seemingly contradictory attributes of being both scrawny and flabby at the same time. So when I decided to start working out again, I had to change a lot of my habits, but I also had to make those changes reasonable. I couldn't just go out there and run five miles. I had to run a half a mile first. And that was my goal. Once a week, run half a mile. And that's where I started. And that's how it is here. You're going to be working out spiritual muscles and discipline muscles that you've never worked out before, maybe, hopefully not. But just set reasonable goals. Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to read an entire book of the New Testament. How about I'm going to read one chapter or I'm going to read for five minutes. Just anything to start swimming against the current. Then Jesus does something crazy. He tells us to stop thinking about God and think about others. That's pretty counterintuitive if this thing's all about God. But the crazy thing is, is that God's all about others as well. So this is where the rubber kind of hits the road for us. And I think this is where some of us are really struggling. See, there's two approaches in loving your neighbor as yourself in this time. One is to be complete and total shut-in, to let fear completely rule your life to such a degree that you're afraid to step out of your house. And let me tell you, you are missing out on so many opportunities to help those around you. Some of you have neighbors that are older and might be terrified to go to the grocery store. Some of you have friends or family that all they do is watch TV news and they're worked up in such a frenzy and they think the world is coming to an end. And let me tell you that God is asking you to be an agent of peace and reason and reality in their life. Not trying to lecture them on what's best or what's terrible or, or where they've gone wrong, but just to patiently love them. Some of you are in dorm rooms with people that are isolated or lonely. Some of you are on campus or near campus. And think of that international student that's isolated, alone, can't leave to go home. And all they do is walk around an empty campus. Maybe you could be the one that buys them a lunch. Maybe you could be that person that becomes their friend and changes the trajectory of their life. It's possible. But you're going to miss out. If you're just a shut-in, if you're terrified of what's going on around you and you're letting fear be your master, you're going to miss it. You're not going to love your neighbor like you could. And then on the other side, which I think probably most of us are, are dealing with, and I know it's something that I dealt with initially, maybe we just have a hard time caring. I've heard some Christians say, hey, I'm going to be fine. I have faith that God is going to keep me from getting sick. And hold the phone there. That's really bad theology. There's so many problems with that. Let me tell you that this is the... If this post gets a thousand likes, Bill Gates will pay for this kid's medical procedure of theology, right? This is terrible. So uh, a couple of the problems is, one, how do you quantify the faith that you have that will keep you safe? You say, I have faith in God, and he'll keep me safe. But what if you aren't kept safe? And what does it say about the other people that love Jesus, like our AGWM director, the guy that's head over all of global missions for the Assemblies of God, he's fighting for his life right now. He has coronavirus. So stop and pray for him. But what does that say about him? Did he not have enough faith? Surely Greg Mundus has all the faith that he needs to please God. 
So the implication is that somehow he doesn't have faith and, and you do, or, or the correct amount isn't there. And how do you quantify that? How do you measure your faith? How many faith units do I need to protect myself from this virus? And how many faith units do I lack to get to that point? The point of walking with God isn't to be spared from trial, but to use those trials for good. To turn a moment of pain and trial and suffering into a moment of witness and testimony. A moment where God's love is revealed to a world when it seems completely and totally irrational and unreasonable. Somebody that believes this way, somebody that thinks that if they just have enough faith, then God will keep them safe, is the egomaniacal Christian that inserts themselves into the central theme of the Bible as if all of God's working were to lead up to the point so that everything could go well for them. That's not the story of the Bible, and that's not the story of Jesus. See, the bottom line is it isn't about you, and it never has been. It's about him. But some of you may ask, what about those uh, early Christians? Didn't they rush to help the sick? Eusebius, an early church historian, says, All day long, some of the Christians tended to the dying and to their burial. Countless numbers with no one to care for them. Others gathered together from all parts of the city. A multitude of those withered from famine and distributed bread to them all. See, this was done with a different mindset than I'll be okay. This was done by a group of people that looked at the needy and vulnerable and said they were worth the risk. They wanted to help them, not harm them. See, and that's why it's not analogous for the situation that we find ourselves in now. Because the needy and vulnerable are the ones that we definitely can't rush to at the moment. Because what we bring with us. You see, God says to love your neighbor as yourself. And while you may be okay, will your neighbor be okay? And will your neighbor's neighbor be okay? The vulnerable and needy that you have the instinct to run to, those are the ones that are actually at the highest risk for this virus. So that's why it's best for us to stick to the concept of flattening the curve. And I know this is really hard, and it's counter to everything that we've ever talked about, and it's counter to all of my instincts too. But... The data's there, and you can look it up yourself. If we just avoid going to these crowded places, because of the nature of this virus and, and the fact that it can go 10 to 14 days without even registering any symptoms, you won't even feel it, but you'll be contagious for two weeks. And imagine how many people you come in contact with over those two weeks, and then how many people they come in contact with. And that's why this church at home, Chi Alpha from home, the the self-quarantine day that we're in is so important because your neighbor needs to be safe. And this is the way that we can love them best. If we die to our rights of being young and invincible, if we die to our rights of being together for just this short time, we will do what the early church did. We'll help save lives. Let's love God and love our neighbors. Let's use this time wisely. So, some prayer points for you to think about as you walk away from this message. How can you love God in this time of isolation? And how can you manage your actions to be sure that you're loving your neighbor as best you can? I trust that the Lord will speak to you as you pray and meditate about these things. 
and I look forward to seeing you all again, hopefully real soon.